Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring on the Podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. Ty is here with us today. Ty, how are you doing? Good, good. Good to be back. Yeah, good to hear from you. And Kansas State getting ready for the big game at Oklahoma this weekend. So we brought on Alan Kinney. He writes for Crimson and Cream as well as Athlon Sports. Alan, thanks for joining us again. Hey, man. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me on. So, you know, hopefully we get to a point in the season where we aren't talking about COVID, but right now I think it's still one of the big stories, especially, I mean, when it comes to both of these teams, we know earlier in the season, of course, Lincoln Riley made some headlines by talking about he didn't want to release COVID stuff as a competitive advantage. Meanwhile, you got Kansas State, who is being so transparent and, and having so many issues that they're kind of showing why Oklahoma wouldn't want to release the COVID numbers. So... I don't know. I mean, personally, you know, as a journalist, I like the transparency, but I can kind of see both sides at the same time. So first, from an Oklahoma perspective, you know, how's that working out? And also, like, I, I guess that just means that they don't say anything until the game, right? Because once the game starts, you're going to know the guys on the sideline are hurt and the guys not on the sideline have COVID, right? Yeah, you would think, right? I mean, last week, a lot of the uh, you know reporters who were there on the scene kind of had to do this deal where it was like, okay, who do we see out there, who we don't? And then they figured out, you know, or they kind of checked off as they saw players kind of, you know, coming onto the field as to, okay, this guy's available, this guy's not, or, you know, two weeks ago, whatever, however you want to put it. And uh, it sounds like, I mean, they had something like 29 guys who were out in that first game. Now, not all of that was uh, COVID related. You know, you had a, you have a few suspensions, you have a few issues with injuries, but you know, there were quite a few players who either tested positive for COVID or got tagged with uh, contact tracing and were put on ice for the game. So it sounds like Oklahoma is getting closer to having a lot of guys back. There'll be a few, I'm sure, that are scratched here at the end. As for Lincoln Riley's stance, I think it's pretty silly. I mean, you know, coaches are so just ridiculous when it comes to this whole espionage thing and the idea that if you know that our team is missing 10 guys, you know, no, nobody was, has been asking them to say who the 10 players are who are out or whatever. You know, and, and on top of that, I believe all the the numbers are, uh, you know, available if you just look them up through the uh, reporting to the county. But, you know, I mean, I guess just from a – you know, wanting to make it that much more difficult for the members of the fourth estate and for uh, other teams to, uh, you know, kind of get a better sense of what Oklahoma's up to. Riley's doing that. I think the whole thing is just nonsense, but you know, I mean, especially given that it's such a weird time, right? I mean, yeah. is anybody, I mean, you know, people keep talking about, well, Oh, well, it's going to hurt the big 12 chances for the playoff. If blah, 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 doesn't <laughs> win. And to me, that's just kind of, so I, I think that if these teams can all make it through the season, I think that's actually about the best that they can hope for. And then chips fall where they yeah. may, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, I don't want to, act like it's only Oklahoma that's doing this. Certainly there are other coaches doing similar things, other teams saying stupid things. It's happening a lot. Um, and even, you know, Kansas State not being fully transparent. There was certainly some discussion. I saw it in our comments section last week about, was this guy hurt or does he have COVID? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think I saw him on the sideline. Yeah, and then, I, you know, we're recording this Monday night. So uh, no depth chart out yet. We don't know necessarily who's missing, but Chris Kleiman did say, I think, 12 guys back, but 10 more guys who are, you know, out for whatever reason. So, 
you know, we'll see how that goes. Ty, how much do you worry about, you know, the guys that are that are missing games? And how much, I mean, do you think it hurt against Arkansas State? I mean, of course, noting that Arkansas State had a lot of the same issues. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, after the game, Kleiman's like, well, I don't want to make an excuse, but we were starting our third string center and our third, you know, we were down to like our third string safeties in the backfield. I'm like, yeah, that's great, Chris, but we're playing Arkansas State and they're down 20 guys, including like eight starters. Like, I don't really want to hear it. I get that this is a weird (laughs) year. I'm not really going to hold this year against anybody, but after K-State went ahead 21 to 7, that was one of the flattest performances I've seen from the Wildcats since they played at Fandy. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it worries me, obviously. I mean, we're going to, we're going to be missing guys. Oklahoma's going to be missing guys. That's how this year is going to be. You know, there aren't going to be many games where it's going to be, you know, a full boat on both sides. So we'll see. I I think right now K-State's got to hope they get as many guys back in the defensive secondary as they can. Like the offensive line is just going to be a problem for a while because they're so inexperienced. But if, If if we can't even figure out that we need to bracket the six three two hundred and ten pound receiver who's killed us all day long, then we have structural problems that are going to be a bit of an issue playing against Spencer Rattler. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Honestly, you know, one of the things that is maybe most most worrisome is that after the game, you know, in the, the following week, I think Arkansas State had enough guys that tested positive that they they canceled they postponed their game last Saturday, right? And so yeah, that's a little that, scary. Yeah, that part of it, I was wondering about that. Like, how did they actually? Well, who knows when they when they actually tested? You know, but gosh. right, right. I mean, well, maybe they well, helped on a party and, bus like Memphis did. Yeah. <laughs> well, but well, but Luke, you say that, and that was what I was going to point out was you know the whole Memphis party bus thing came out, and then Memphis's players were like, uh, uh-uh. and you know, of course, yeah. maybe maybe that's just you know a cya measure but all of memphis you know, or at least some of memphis's players like we didn't do any party bus it was arkansas state mm-hmm. that gave it to us and i was like oh boy <laughs> and, and i mean you know this is college football you expect all the underhanded trickery imaginable and i'm sure that you know spreading a, a virus and a pandemic is is not out of the question given some of the things that people do to win in college football but yeah i don't know i mean who knows at this point? <laughs> yeah. 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 And so then I wonder for you, Alan, I mean, as a, a fan of a team with Big 12 and even national title aspirations, you know, how much of a factor is just keeping guys healthy and, stand, you know, being, not testing COVID positive? <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I think that, you know, clearly Oklahoma, you know, it's funny because uh, they're talking like they have all these problems right now, but before the season started, you know, I mean, everybody was talking about what a uh, kind of, you know, cutting edge approach uh, the program was taking towards trying to keep everybody healthy. You know, I think that, uh, (laughs) I I mean, the number of guys who've tested positive at this point, it sounds, I I don't know how high it is. I mean, you know, you hear these stories now, like LSU, most of the teams had it or (laughs) Texas. I don't think OU's in that kind of boat. So, uh, you know, from what I can tell, it's just going to be a slog all season. I mean, you know, uh, certain players, for example, like uh, Trey Norwood, he just came back off a knee injury. The, the rumor I heard, and, and I, you know, I, I'm not with the team every day, but the the rumor I've, I've heard is that he missed something. He's been in contact tracing quarantine for something like 28 days. Like, I mean, you know, with stuff like that, I mean, a guy who's trying to work back into the, the lineup, he's just not even going to get a shot, you know? 
So it's just, I feel like it's probably just going to be this way for the, the rest of the year. You know, perhaps things will get a little bit better. They'll have more visibility when we get into rapid testing. If, if the big 12 ever gets there, perhaps, you know, they'll figure out a way to do quarantine measures uh, differently in the, in the contact tracing. But uh, until then, man, it's just going to be touch and go. Yeah, that's crazy. And you mentioned Texas Tech. I just saw a tweet that today they had no guys test positive. So maybe they, they successfully had it run through everybody. Who knows? Yeah, well, I mean, if you have 80 guys <laughs> test positive, or there aren't that many left to get it. You know? yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's wild. Uh, it's a weird season, like Ty said. So, you know, Oklahoma played Missouri State, obviously. Uh, Missouri State a little bit overmatched in that one. Two questions. First of all, you know, did you pay the $55 to watch it? And can you actually learn anything from a game like that? Well, you know, we've been so sports deprived. Yeah, I plunked down the 55 bucks for it. Uh, I I honestly, I I would have paid about a hundred at that point. Like I was just excited to actually have something, something to watch, but yeah, you know, there were things you could take away, you know, for example, like watching Spencer Rattler, you know, he absolutely looked apart. Now he didn't have a ton of pressure in his face or anything like that, but the throws that he was making were, were still spectacular. It's the kind of thing that, you know, the way you'd want to see the guy throw the ball when he doesn't have a, a rush in his face or anything like that. You could tell that, you know, you could see some of the athleticism you could see, you know, with some of the new guys that, uh, you know, their kind of ability to go up and win one-on-one match. Matchups, guys like Marvin Mims, a receiver, Perion Winfrey, he's a, uh, you know, fill in now for Neville Gallimore at, at uh, nose tackle. He made some uh, nice plays. Uh, you know, you saw some guys working in on defense in new positions also. So I'm certainly not going to, uh, you know, act like uh, this was a, you know, really impressive performance just because, <laughs> I mean, Missouri State was really bad and, yeah. uh, you know, it, they couldn't block OU. They had a hard time rushing the passer. It just, uh, you know, OU could kind of do whatever they wanted and then just kind of sat on the lead for the second half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess, sorry, I thought we were done with COVID. But I, I did have one more question about that, and that is on you know, the game in Norman. What's the, the fan situation that Oklahoma's doing this year? Yeah, I think it's around like 20 to 25% of the stadium is full. You know, I know that they got after fans after the last game about maintaining social distancing. I know that uh, Mm -hmm. they've got some concerns there. And so, you know, they talked about reconfiguring where people are sitting, that type of thing. But, you know, for right now, you can probably count about 20 to 25% of the stadium being full. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it was interesting to see that at the first K-State game. I know um, JT, you know, one of our writers on the blog um, talked about he was there and it felt pretty safe, even the student section. But I I felt like the student section shoulder to shoulder, even with, you know, some rows skipped, didn't, wasn't a great look. I don't know how you (laughs) felt about that, Ty. Well, I mean, I guess it was better than the Florida State screenshot where the (laughs) girl was standing there with no mask and they had the rules up there about what, (laughs) and like every single rule for the, for the fans is being broken in the screenshot. So yeah, yeah, it doesn't, it it definitely doesn't look great, but uh, I mean, I've just kind of come to throw my hands up and expect the worst at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So Oklahoma will have, well, like what, well, the thing about it is too, though, is like, 
with under these rules, like I I know that there are people who want to go to the game still, but like it just doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me. Like yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. fine with watching TV anyway, <laughs> but like as it is, I just can't imagine like that just doesn't sound like the way I want to spend an afternoon. Yeah, definitely. And so Oklahoma, I mean, I'm sure there'll be some crowd noise, but you know, we I don't know, so it won't be quite like I don't know if you guys watched the Chiefs game yesterday, but Pat Mahomes was able to draw guys off sides at least four or five times. You know, that would never happen yeah. if there are fans in that stadium. So I guess Ty, the question then is that does I mean obviously it doesn't fix the talent deficit, but does having fewer fans make you feel any better about K State's chances in a game like this? I mean, it doesn't hurt. I actually talked to Nick Leckie about this uh, a few weeks ago. What he said was that he feels like the crowd, especially the home crowd, is bigger for momentum than anything. You know, he 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 as a you know former offensive lineman felt like uh, the crowd was huge, getting it on your side, and so he he thinks that you know that aspect of the home field advantage will be gone. He didn't. He never really felt like the, you know, the disruption was that much of a, that big of a deal. He he said that like, uh, Texas A&M was a problem, and the Chiefs were a problem, and the Seahawks were a problem, and really other than that, mm-hmm. crowd noise wasn't really that disruptive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. But then, as far as yeah, Oklahoma's team, I mean. Any other team in the Big 12, you lose early round draft picks like Jalen Hurts, CeeDee Lamb. Um, you know, you lose some pretty good running backs like Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon. You, you would expect a, an offensive drop-off, but this is Oklahoma. So I don't know. What can we expect uh, from the Sooners this season? And is it maybe a good thing to get a team like that early in the season rather than later? Well, you know, I, I think that you're going to see kind of a different offense in the sense that last year, so much of what they did was kind of built around Jalen Hurts' skill set. You know, Hurts, he was pretty money, uh, like in, you know, third down situations, for example, if it was, you know, third and five or what have you or, or below, because he was so big, he was hard to corral him uh, when he decided to take off. You know, that's not really Spencer Rattler's game, but Rattler is, a, I mean, is just an immensely talented thrower. So he's going to be working with a lot of uh, a lot of talented wideouts too. You know, losing CD Lamb obviously hurts, but they've re- you know recovered with guys like Theo Weiss, who was you know I mean a really talented uh, receiver going into a sophomore year. Uh, Marvin Mims is a name to watch. He's a uh, freshman who. Uh, looked really, really solid last week. You know, of course, there's Charleston Rambo. They're also doing a lot more with the tight end this year. I, at least I, I expect that they will because um, they've got a big guy named Austin Stogner. He's at about 260 pounds or so, 6'5". And, yeah, you know, that's a real big target to have there. He's kind of in that Mark Andrews-type mold. And then two other big guys, uh, H-backs, you know, Jeremiah Hall and Braden Willis. I think you'll see OU run a lot more 12 personnel this season with two tight end H backs on the field at the same time uh, to just, you know, give one more kind of matchup problem to, uh, to opposing defenses. Yeah. Okay. The tight ends could be big because K-State's actually using their tight end to catch passes now. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. <But laughs> yeah. It's been, been working out pretty well. Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of alluded to it, but part of what has made Lincoln Riley so good and probably the reason he can bring in such talented quarterbacks is his ability to sort of, build the offense around them and, and to their skill sets. So, I mean, is Spencer Rattler, is he like more of a, a Baker Mayfield type player than a, a Maria Hurts? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that would be the way that I would describe it. You know, I I hate to to lay this comparison out there, but right. people describe him kind of like as a Pat Mahomes type just because of the way he throws the ball from different arm angles and I mean, you know, we're talking about the probably the best player in the National Football League, so uh, De- you know, definitely I, not... when you're on a Kansas State podcast, so it's definitely yeah. the best player. <laughs> so, exactly, right? So, I mean, you know, for me though, I, I that's obviously very lofty praise, but you know, you look at him, I mean, he's just technically he's such a a better quarterback than, you know, OU's had the past couple of years. I mean, and OU's had obviously very good court and quarterbacks and guys like Murray, obviously who had a, you know, had a cannon Mayfield obviously was no slouch, but I feel like Rattler's almost just on another level, just based on what I've seen so far, you know, in terms of just the accuracy, the strength. And, and you know, there were a couple throws he made in that first game where, I mean, it was just a flick of the wrist, but it was, you know, then it's downfield 60 yards. I mean, it's just kind of a different thing to watch. So, I mean, it's hard to say, I mean, you don't want Rattler, you know, with Murray, for example, there would be times when him taking off and running the ball was going to be a plus because he was so fast. I mean, Rattler's best attribute is that arm. You want him, you want him throwing the ball, you know? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, I mean, some of those receivers, Mims, and it looks like, I mean, a ton of guys caught passes against Missouri state, of course. And there were four guys who caught at least four and nobody caught more than five, but I was a little encouraged because maybe it doesn't look like there. There's not necessarily like a six three, six four guy like like Arkansas State had. But you know, do you still think that are there some Oklahoma receivers who are gonna see the tape of those K State defensive backs getting pushed off the ball pretty easily and kind of be salivating over that? Oh, you know, you mentioned it. I mean, you know, watching Adams uh, against Kansas State. I mean, that was just unfair. That guy, is, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, physically, that's such a tough matchup for any corner uh, or defensive back. You know, uh, you're not going to find as many guys like that. Uh, you, uh, you will see more speed. Just you know, that's that's what Lincoln Riley wants to have out there. So you'll see, you know, more kind of burners. You'll see guys who can, you know, win balls. But no, just physical freaks along the lines of Adams, you know, the closest mm-hmm. thing, like I mentioned, are those H backs, those guys will be uh, tough matchups, but how often are you going to get them singled up on a, on a corner? I yeah. mean, that's pretty rare. And so Ty, I mean, aside from maybe getting an offense press interference call every once in a while, what can K-State's defensive backs do to, you know, be better in coverage, especially against the speed? <laughs> There were times last Saturday when I felt like AJ Parker should have tried to just take a charge or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know in football you're taught to fight through contact and it's so ingrained, uh, <laughs> but really, I mean, I mean, you can't do anything else. You might as well take a dive and see if they call it. But I mean, it. The good news is AJ Parker is a good corner. You know, he he is legitimately you know, one of the better corners in the Big Twelve. So, like, I'm not terribly concerned about him because he he has good positioning and he has good feet and, you know, he's technically sound. So, as long as he's not going up against guys who are five or six inches taller than him and 50 pounds heavier than him and, you know, or I, I, I don't say this because I thought it should have been called. I thought that those all of those were pretty legit moves by Adams. But if, he, if you're going to let the receiver extend the arm, which is – part of making a catch most of the time these days, he's just screwed. I mean, if physics yeah, is, yeah. is kind of a harsh governor on, on, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in football. So 
like, I mean, I, I think that you got to have – the main thing is we're going to have to have better safety play. That game-winning touchdown pass was just atrocious by the safety. He bit up yeah. on the underneath route when it was clear that Parker thought he had inside help from the safety on the deep route on Adams. And I don't know how I – don't, I, I don't know how you're not doubling him at that point. Like, if the safety was, was coached not to double him at that point, then Klanderman should have been fired on the spot. You know, if – our senior, I'm pretty sure it was, was Monty, who is a senior captain, I believe. You know, if your senior captain doesn't know that, oh, hey, you know, I need to, I need to give help to our corner on this guy who's killed us all day. That's also a problem. But then again, we, we got beat on a fake punt by, guess who, the same guy who killed us all day because nobody had any goddamn situational awareness mm-hmm. to figure out that maybe they were going to throw it to their big receiver who was really good. So we got a pass interference called on us and extended their drive. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, really the main thing is the safety play has got to be better. Their positioning has got to be better. Their situational awareness has got to be better. I would imagine that they have spent a fair amount of time on that in these last two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would think that, that keeping guys in front of you and, and making sure you make the tackles is going to be pretty important because, I mean, as good as Spencer Radler is, he is still a freshman playing in his first Big 12 game. So, you know, probably want to – make him make as many throws as possible. Don't just kind of let him launch and have big plays. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, uh, the main thing with, with the main thing is, you know, if you give up 15 yards, that's not great. That's the first down almost in almost any situation, but it's a lot better than 80 yards and six points. So, you know, make him continue to make those throws underneath as much as you can. And, you know, he's probably good enough to make them, you yeah. know, but a lot of college quarterbacks aren't. So you play your percentages and <laughs> you hope that you get a tipped ball or you force a couple of incompletions and then you get a third down and you get a chance to get off the field. Yeah. And Alan, I mean, being that he is still young and new, I mean, how deep into the playbook you think Oklahoma is going to be willing to go in a game like this? Oh, you know, probably not very. It's just his second start. You know, he really didn't see much time last year. So, I mean, I can't imagine that Riley has everything, you know, kind of that he'd, he'd want to, he'd have with, uh, you know, a multi-year starter or something like that. So, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect them to go too far down into the uh, playbook. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And then, you know, the other side of the ball, Kansas State's offense. I feel like, you know, we saw some good things. Kyler's accuracy was was pretty disappointing in that first game, especially on the deep balls. His throwing wasn't very good. And then, I don't know about you, Ty, but it was pretty disappointing for me when they just kind of gave up at the end of the first half and didn't try to, you know, kind of put a foot on the throat there and get some more points. Um, you know, is that a sign of a lack of faith or just wanting to get into halftime? Or? I mean... I was actually kind of okay with that one. I know we pissed and moaned for years about how Bill Snyder would always take it to the house <laughs> late in the first half. But on that one, I mean, I, I get the argument. You got a senior QB who started for four years now. You know, if you're ever going to try to run a two-minute drill, run it then. But 
the problem was they got it on the 10-yard line. They had no timeouts left. The offensive line was leaky, and, and they got the ball back to start the second half. I was as okay with that as I ever am with uh, just taking it in to halftime. Okay, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, Oklahoma's... Which, which, isn't to, huh? which isn't to say I loved it, but <laughs> it, I, I, I understood the argument for it. Okay, okay. I love that. So... Oklahoma's defense, you know, always seems to be the Achilles heel if Oklahoma has one, you know, it's kind of what we talk about. Um, but, you know, what, where are they compared to last year? On that side of the yeah, ball? you know, it's really hard to tell after last week, as we mentioned, just because the quality yeah. of the uh, competition. I mean, OU was in the, the backfield almost immediately. You know, the defensive line was just going off as soon as the ball was snapped. So, that, I mean, it, it's hard to get a good feel for where they stood there. You know, I thought that for the most part, though, a lot of the experiments are, you know, kind of going, working with stuff, you know, uh, guys like uh, one of the big ones that everybody's been watching is how uh, David Weibu kind of transitions from the rush, posi- uh, rush linebacker position to the inside. He looked really good. You know, I thought Brian Asamoah looked really good playing that will linebacker spot. You know, again, the uh, defensive line was pretty dominant, and that's you know without having Ronnie Perkins there, who's out with the uh, with the suspension from the NCAA, and then also uh, you know Jalen Redmond's gone, and then they were also missing Marcus Stripling, who was uh, probably going to be the uh, top line five tech. Uh, defensive end he was uh you know out due to covid so you know for the most part that that all looked good you know the secondary i thought OU safeties actually played better than I, I was accustomed to last year so you know that part of it hard to complain about but again you know it's i'm not going to make any hard and fast you know kind of declarations after what i saw out of uh, missouri state yeah so asamoa i mean he's just a sophomore and he's is he kind of Taking over the role of Kenneth Murray, who was, you know, one of the best linebackers in the league last year. He got drafted first round. Is Asamoah sort of stepping into that role? Well, they're actually playing Asamoah as the uh, will linebacker. Now, the responsibilities between the Mike and the will and OU's defense, they coach him up very similarly. Now, you end up getting put in different situations, obviously, because the Mike is lining up to the strength of the uh, offensive formation. So, uh, you know, Asamoah is playing more of that weak side. He gets a chance to do a little bit more chasing. But he, uh, you know, he's a guy that played a lot early last season to start the year, and then his playing time kind of dipped as the season wore on. But he looked really good for in his uh, first start there. You know, Deshaun White is a guy. He actually played that will spot last year, was the starter next to Kenneth Murray. And they've been experimenting with him at the mic this year. So there's just, you know, they're, they're still trying to think, kind of move guys around, figure out which alignment works best. But Asamoa is a guy that's really kind of made his way uh, up the depth chart. Yeah, yeah. And so, Ty, I mean, the Kansas State offensive line obviously has to mention you talked about it at center and that that's sort of a, a personnel problem with a lot of bad snaps. Um, you hope that, that guys are healthy and that'll get better. But the offensive line was obviously a concern coming into the season, even before that, uh, with, with so little experience. You know, is it, is it as, as bad as we feared it might be up front? Looks like it might be. Um, I mean, the, the interior line was not good. We couldn't run at all. You know, I mean, God bless Harry Trotter. The guy gives 
A plus effort every single snap. But man, he just he doesn't have any gear except for top speed. He takes the handoff and he's slamming into the guard's rear end half the time because you know he just he doesn't wait for anything. Uh, <laughs> not that there was. Not that I'm sure there was going to be a whole lot to wait for in that game two weeks ago, but you know, it, it seems like wait, you know, giving it a chance to develop might be better than just running into your own linemen. But I, you know, I, it'll be interesting. I mean, this is a staff that has shown that they know they, you know, they can coach in the trenches, and they're pretty, you know, they're pretty good at identifying players and coaching that. You know, they're not going to fix everything in two weeks, and there's probably still going to be. You know, there's probably some, still some injury issues, but if they can, you know, if they can help Cooper Beebe with a couple of things so that he's not just a turnstile out there at right tackle, you know, and if they can figure out some, you know, maybe some scheme things. I mean, last year, the thing that really killed Oklahoma when we played them was the way that we hit the edge, especially with the diamond formation. So, you know, if there, if there are some things like that, that they can do to help these players get into more advantageous situations, you know, that's, they're going to need every bit of that because, you know, the line is, was a concern, looked like a concern, and they may be better after two weeks, but it's not going to be there. Yeah, I mean, it would be cool to see the return of that diamond formation, but, you know, part of the reason we only saw it, we, we saw it the most against Oklahoma and not necessarily a lot otherwise is because so many injuries last year, and I'm not sure that the situation is a whole lot better right now. And then you got guys like, I mean, Deuce Vaughn was obviously the best runner, in week one, but it, it seems like maybe he left a little to be desired as far as blocking. You know, you think that's something that, that he can pick up quickly and get some more snaps? Yeah, he can get better. And I'm sure that he's going to get more snaps. Hey, and he needs to, because he looks, I mean, I, I, I like some of the guys we had last year, like Jacardia Wright. Like I, I like him and, uh, you know, Deuce Vaughn looks good. Like, you know, if, if we can get right back and, you know, and, and it's still Vaughn kind of a mystery start... what's going on with him, right? Jacardi, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? And, well, <laughs> and, and Joe Irvin too, right? Like, you know, we don't know what's going on with him. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we, if, if we have three healthy running backs, I think we have absolutely better lineup <laughs> in the diamond. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, Deuce Vaughn, I think, you know, I think that they can get him to the point where, you know, where he's a little bit better, you know, and, and they're going to have to take some chances with putting him out there, you know, in passing situations, you know, we can't be completely predictable on that front. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, yeah, I hope they do it because they're going to need to, we know we're not going to beat anybody, you know, with just Skylar Thompson throwing deep passes all day long. Um, <laughs> just like we're not going to yeah. beat, we're not, we're not going to beat anybody with just running the ball into the guard's ass every all all the time. So <laughs> we're we're going to have to find some sort of balance between the two. Yeah, so Alan, you, you think Oklahoma has spent some time in practice, getting looking at film from last year and getting ready for the diamond formation? <laughs> well, you know, it, like Ty mentioned, it was them getting out on that edge. I mean, they really attacked uh, OU in two different spots. I felt like one was the rush linebacker, the the weak side. They were able to make a lot of hay over there, and then also, you know, forcing Oklahoma's nickelback Brendan Radley Hiles to get involved as a uh, run defender. Uh, he's a small guy, so you know, you it's not it's not an ideal situation there to have him doing that much run support. And they also did a good job, I felt like, last year of, of kind of using Oklahoma's aggressiveness and those shifts and things against OU, you know, with misdirection, things like that. 
so I, I mean, I'm sure that Alex Grinch has spent plenty of time on that here in the uh, in the weeks leading up this game. You know, you guys were talking about the different backs out there. The the Vaughn, the uh, the the short kid Vaughn. That's the one, yeah, that uh, that is worrisome. But you know, the other thing that KU can press for an advantage is, I mean, they've got some big receivers. The Taylor kid is tall, right? He's like six four. Yeah. The tight end, uh, what's his name? Bradley Moore. Bradley Moore. Yeah, he's another big guy. You know, I mean, oh, you doesn't have the biggest defensive backs. You know, they, there's a there's probably an opportunity there to kind of body up some of those guys uh, in and out. Uh, they also look to me just in that first game, like a team that really hadn't had a lot of time to come together just with all the, uh, you know, off season chaos mm-hmm. and everything. But, you know, they still got some dudes out there who could, who could make plays against the secondary, I think. Yeah. I just hope that that Skyler and his receivers have gotten their timing down a little bit over the last two weeks. I'm sure they have, um, you know, we, we've seen he's capable of, make, of making those throws. So, you know, hopefully they're, they're ready for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, another morning game. K-State's going to be a big underdog, so I don't know. I want to ask you to make a prediction. Maybe we'll leave that alone. I think we <laughs> kind of know what we expect to happen. What I did want to talk about a little bit is, you know, we didn't get to have a podcast last week. kind of wanted to just preview the conference. So uh, maybe from an Oklahoma perspective, you know, who are the teams that, that scare you the most, if anybody? <laughs> I mean, as, as bad as the Big 12 has looked so far. Oh, you know, I mean, I think that – you know, Texas is in a really interesting position this year because I felt like, you know, the national media has this tendency of kind of missing Texas by a year. I thought that they were a year early on them last year. I feel like they have a chance to be a better team uh, in 2020 than they were a year ago. And everybody else last year seemed to be pretty high on them. But, you know, the the turnover at coordinator, it kind of comes at an odd time for them. Uh, I still kind of, I still kind of like though. I, I feel like they. I'm not sure if I'd call them the, necessarily the favorites, but I'd put them up there with OU because of you know they've got uh, mm-hmm. experience with Ellinger. They've got a lot of also kind of, you know, I, I I think they just got a lot of urgency in that coaching staff because of you know so far they haven't really lived up to billing. You know, Oklahoma State surprisingly, I feel like their defense is kind of become a little bit of a calling card there. That's another team that, yeah. uh, you know, I'm watching, you know, the offensive line looked really bad last week against Tulsa. Yeah. That's not going to hold up if they, they keep, they keep up at that rate. And obviously Spencer Sanders health, they've got to figure out a way to keep him uh, on the field, but you know, they're, they're pretty good. And like, honestly, you know, I, I know it's, it's always fashionable to dump on the big 12, but you know, like those, the, the, those, early games i mean you know louisiana i feel like is a pretty quality team arkansas state you know maybe not on louisiana's level but you know they had some players obviously guys like adams and you know i mean they also had a game under their belts and with just yeah. this being such a weird off season like i'm i'm not that surprised that you had those kinds of those kinds of results in fact i i found them quite profitable <laughs> in that week. but like uh, like i love it but like i i don't feel like those are the kinds of teams we're gonna see the rest of the way i mean you know iowa state will get better Kansas State will get better. I think both those coaching staffs are are so solid. So I I just I don't have this I didn't have the same takeaways I guess as everybody else seemed to when it came to just the early early results for the conference. 
Okay. And then Baylor supposedly will finally play a football game this Saturday. But, That's the word on the street, uh, isn't it? That, uh, Baylor's one team that I've kind of got marked for a pretty big regression. You know, before the yeah. year, I figured they'd be like in a four and eight or five and seven range, just with the amount of turnover they had at the coaching staff and so many guys gone on de- on the defensive side of the ball there. So, uh, you know, they're one that could be in for kind of a, a rude awakening this week. Yeah, I kind of don't care if they don't play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, they're playing in Kansas. Would anyone watch that game anyway? That's a great question. Yeah, got well, the, and that is one. I mean, Kansas. That is one exception. I mean, that what they did in game one was just <laughs> pathetic, man. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's Kansas, so you expect them to be bad, but that was just another level. Like they, uh, they, just yeah, they were just getting dominated in the first quarter. Like they looked like a high school team in the first quarter. Just completely out of sorts. And I mean, they were at home, you know. I mean, you know, so there wasn't like any kind they of. They were playing uh, in front of their yeah. normal crowd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, I guess uh, probably about time to let you go. I, I will say one quick note before we go. I picked up uh, Kyler Murray as a, I think it was a sixth or seventh round draft pick in one of my fantasy leagues and feeling really good about that so far. He's yeah, he uh, yeah, he's looked really, really good, man. That pairing of him and Cliff Kingsbury has been something so far. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's about it. And that's Ty. You have anything else? I just wanted to real quickly note, and I know I've been plugging this on the blog, so maybe people are getting tired of hearing about it. But <laughs> this uh, this game in Norman marks the to the year. This marks the 70th anniversary of the well, it was the Big Seven conference then, but well, wasn't it Big um, Six when, then? They had, uh, you're, now you're gonna now you're gonna put me on the spot, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> big six or big seven. So 70 years since K State integrated the uh, conference by taking Harold Robinson and Hoyt Givens down to Norman, the first black players to play a football game uh, in Memorial Stadium. So kind of a big uh, a big anniversary, I think. Um, I'm hoping that K State uh, is going to do something. To, to bring that up and bring up their history uh, in connection with that, you know, but something that I've tried to tried to raise some awareness on on the blog because it's something that I don't think that a lot of K-Staters knew about as much as they should have, and it's some history that, you know, we as K-State fans should know. Uh, just by the way, I'm looking at you, right? It, it was the Big Seven, so you, you got that right. Well, you, you know better than to question me, Luke. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> looking forward to... Yeah, hopefully an entertaining game Saturday. And, you know, I, I, I really like these morning games. Even though I'm on the West Coast, it's a 9 a.m. kick for me. But it's uh, – Oh, see, West Coast cool. is the best place to be watching yeah. college oh, football. Yeah. 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 The 9 a.m. start is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just roll out of bed and get it going. Yep. <laughs> Still get a full day out of me afterwards almost. That's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Alan. We appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thanks a lot, Luke and Ty. Always good, man. Yeah. And uh, your Twitter is still uh, Blatant Homerism? Oh, yeah. At, at Blatant Homerism. Yeah. I'll be I'll be there all Saturday, so uh, feel free to hit me up. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. And Ty, thanks for joining us. Yeah, you bet. Good talking to you again, Alan. So yeah, always, Ty. Sky, so,